In recovery, many, many people choose to remain publicly anonymous, and that's their choice, and we respect that. We don't need someone's name to learn from their story, their insight, and their hope. And you don't need a name or a bio to learn and be inspired by this guy. Hi guys, welcome back to Secrets of a Sober Mom. Today I am speaking with a fabulous guy. He's a public figure and a journalist, and he is going to remain anonymous. But I'm really happy and really lucky that he is going to share his story, um, what it was like then, and what it's like now. So, hello, my friend. Hi, Leslie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for that <laughs> great introduction. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny. I, every guest that has come on in, you know, the past two months, I always, and I say this all the time when I say, how are you? I mean, it's such a loaded question. I don't even know why I asked the question. I really should. I don't know. I, I can't think at this minute of something witty and funny to say, but it's kind of, it's kind of crazy question. You know, how are you? How are you, how are you managing this shit show? I, I you know. Uh, probably as, as well as anybody else. Um, yeah, shit show is the word. I, you know, what, what's funny is how many times in the course of a day I'll see somebody else struggle, whether it's one of my kids or somebody else, and I'll think this is where the whole day to time thing kicks in. You know, that this right. is all, all these years later. I mean, seriously, a, a good friend of mine who's pretty recently into sobriety was saying, man, the only thing that's keeping me going right now is a day at a time. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever in uh, 28 years of sobriety been more conscious of that. Of, right. You know, the, you talk about the day at a time thing and, you know, these little crises that come up. This is a day at a time. This is, is. no, I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, it's like it, exactly. It's, it, it's, it's, it's exactly. It's a perfect, perfect, you know, expression. Yeah. No, it might be the single best tool I got out of yeah. sobriety other than, you know, sobriety itself. But um, now my, you know, my daughter right now has symptoms and we're waiting to get results back from her test. And she's saying, I, I don't know how long I can keep doing this, this isolation thing. And I said, I don't either, but we'll do it today. <laughs> and right. we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And she kind of cracks up because she's heard me say that over the years. My kids are well aware. They've never seen their dad drink. And uh, uh, they kind of get it. And I'm like, no, no, no. All that bullshit I'm usually spouting about, you know, how you should deal with some problem in high school or in soccer or whatever. This is it. This is this is where it really counts. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and um I really I don't know the answer to this question. And I, you know, I think about it all the time and I, you know, discuss it, you know, with my guests. But when I say I really am unsure if this is the worst time to get sober. I mean, it's always a good time to get sober. I guess that's not the right way to phrase it. But I don't know if it's really easy to get sober right now or the most fucking 
difficult thing, you know, you could ever, ever imagine doing. Um, you know, I, I recently bought a mug that I saw, um, another one of my, uh, sobriety, uh, friends posted on Instagram and it said, um, I'm too sober for this shit. And I loved it. I just loved it. So, so I got one and you know what? I, I sometimes I, I, I've been feeling like, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit, maybe there's some truth to that. I do not want to drink. Not even for one second. I am so, so, so happy that I am sober during this time just to be there for my kids and, you know, everything that goes along with, you know, being a present parent. But man, I mean, if you had just decided, you know, before the world turns upside down that this was, you know, this was going to be the time, I can't be easy. No, I, I God, it, it brings me back to, you know, everybody needs to check out sometimes. You, you, you have to have that, right? And for some people, it's a, it's a glass of wine or whatever, and they can handle that. And, you know, God bless them. Uh, I'm not one of them. You know, we, so, you know, when you're drunk, that option you've learned is not really available to you. Cause when you check out, you, you don't just give, give yourself a break. You go off the fucking cliff. So, right. um, yeah, everybody needs a break during this thing. And it's, and it is something to see people find for some people it's running for some people. It's, you know, for me, it's been playing guitar all the time for, you know, I, I, I've got someone who I'm very close to who has been treating uh, her partner like shit lately and mm-hmm. is, is coming to me through somebody else. And what I'm hearing is that she's drinking a, a lot these days. And I really was sad, you know, the, the, the person who was brought this to my attention, I said, you know, one thing you have to think about is that the, whatever anger is being released through this, the alcohol is also a mechanism to manage it. I don't know right. if this person has a problem. They're abusing it right now. I absolutely believe they're abusing right. uh, alcohol. I don't know if they're an alcoholic, but I said, you know, that's one of the things you have to recognize is that the alcohol was a tool to deal with the anger and all the other bullshit. And when you take that away, now you have one less tool. So yeah. if you don't have a program. If you don't have people in your life who get it and support that, if you don't have the whole day at a time mantra, you are on a fucking raft in the middle of an ocean storm right yep. now. Yep. You know, and that's that. That to me is one of the. So the idea of getting sober now in this, um, I don't know if it'd be easier or not because it's so weird. And that was one of the things. You know, when I I got sober like right out of college or about a year or so out of college. I was really lucky because my life was so fucked up that like if any one element of it had been better, I don't think it w- would have been enough for me to really think about, think about getting in the program. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I was going through this major change. I, I just finished school. Life is kind of falling apart. I had nothing, I had nothing to lose. And I'm looking at people now who are struggling. And when the world makes this little sense to you, I, I don't know how you ground yourself in the, in the program at the same time. And maybe it's exactly the thing you need. Maybe it's the perfect time to do it. Yeah. What better time do you need to, to recognize that your life has become unmanageable 
um, and that there may be a better path <laughs> to whatever it is that you want. Right, right. And right, exactly. You know, and not to, you know, get into the whole God thing, because that's, that's, I don't, that's just, I don't roll like that at all. I mean, I read parts of the big book. My sponsor told me to read the big book, um, you know, uh, once or twice a week in my home group, in my meetings, you know, we read stories from the big book, but I am not, I am not a big book guru and I am not, um, I do believe, uh, my, my point is, is that maybe this is, you know, might not be such a bad time for people who struggle, you know, with the whole spiritual, you know, aspect of, you know, the program to kind of maybe, you know, think twice about it and think, you know, maybe, you know, let, you know, be open to, you know, something greater than yourself that could, you know, that could help me and guide me through this time. Right. I don't no. know. No, that's, that's a big one. Cause I, I'm, I'm like you, um, I, I see the big book as an inspiring and inherently flawed vision uh, created by two guys who were brave and pioneering and did incredible work and would be the first ones to tell you how fallible they were. And right. I've never treated it like gospel. And maybe that helped, you know, having one Irish Catholic parent and one Jewish one, you know, you, you're kind of removed from that. I was... I mean, I think I'm kind of like you. I was I was spiritual in a kind of way when I got into the program, and you know, I've identified my higher power as God, for lack of a better term. Right. Since then, I've changed. You know, I, I would describe myself as an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see purpose in suffering. I don't see meaning in everything. You know that happens. Um, what I see is, you know, I, I have an option in how I react to it and the tools that I've learned and, and the people I reach out to. And yeah, that, that is something I struggle with when I hear somebody say, well, there must be a reason for all the suffering. I, I, I don't know if there is. I don't, I don't think there is, but there's an option as to how I react to it. Right. And, I, and that absolutely comes from the program. And I still yep. do believe in, in what people had said to me early on, look, if you, if you can't grasp the God thing, just look at the program as a higher power. Right. You know, I'll, I'll try to argue that with a, one of my kids doing homework. You know, your solution doesn't work. You know, why right. don't you? <laughs> why don't you look at mine? Maybe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but so when you were saying that, it reminded me of of the Mel Brooks two thousand year old man bit when they asked about. You know, Carl Reiner asked him about God, and he said, "Well, we had this guy Phil, and Phil was the biggest thing. And then one day, <laughs> Phil got struck by lightning, and we said, there's something bigger than Phil.' <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, I, oh, I so I've been hit by lightning enough times that I know there's something bigger than than yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? that's that's really huge. Okay, so so backing up a little bit, so you know, you're you know, right now. I mean, you'll lead up to that, but I'm assuming you're, you know, your life is good. You're successful. You're in a career, you know, that you love and, but it wasn't, it didn't, wasn't always like that. So how about you tell us a little bit about what your life was like before you? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Beforehand. I mean, I grew up, um, 
the Irish side of my family was a very heavy drinking side. And that was just kind of normal. And I was a, a, a bright but awkward kid and, you know, felt, I think, pretty isolated socially. And it was when I probably sophomore, junior year in high school, I found out that I was very entertaining when I drank. And that became my thing. Um, my family celebrated it and people sang songs about it and our weddings were epic. And <laughs> as I got into, you know, and over the course of college, uh, I almost flunked out twice. Um, I, I really could never get my shit together. I was somebody who had, you know, a ton of potential and I just got worse and worse. And I was not a chronic everyday fall down drunk drinker, but I drank a lot. And what I didn't realize was when I'd just kind of go off the deep end, I could never predict it. And I'd have some kind of bender and I'd end up, you know, waking up after a blackout, sometimes with my car on my lawn, sometimes with my hands or my mm. face bleeding and, and not entirely sure what happened. And then hearing a story later that, oh shit, you know, that was, you know, I said, I know, what? I did, you know, the black. And, and that was, I remember somebody asking me like, do you ever have blackouts? I said, no, never. And then, you know, when somebody pointed out how much I didn't remember, I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, I guess that's yeah. the thing with blackouts. You don't know you have them. Right. Um, it was pretty bad. And I got out of college and um, I moved to, I, I barely got out. I mean, I really barely got out, um, but I did. And I got to, I uh, moved to Chicago and just couldn't pull it together. My physical health was starting to suffer for the first time. I was a, I was a decent athlete, but now I, you know, I had a bleeding ulcer, um, didn't have a job, had a long time relationship with a girlfriend breakup and decided to uh, speak to a therapist. And the first thing she focused on was the drinking. And I said, no, 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 that, that's not the issue. I'm, I'm here, I just need to get the other shit sorted out and then the drinking will be fine. Uh, and then, and then I moved. And then, so I decided to see another one and same thing happened. She said, uh, uh, we really should look at the alcohol. And I said, no, nah, that, that's not the issue. I really, I'm drinking a lot of, but it's because of these other problems. And I went to get a, uh, an evaluation at a local hospital and they suggested a six week inpatient. And I thought you fuckers are just trying to get my money. I, I know it, you know, <laughs> right. and, and look, they, those fuckers may have been trying to get my money. I don't know that I needed an inpatient, but whatever, I was just, I, I wasn't hearing it. And I started seeing another therapist who also worked at an outpatient clinic because got to find the right one. Right? You got to find one that tells, that's going to tell you that it's not the alcohol. <laughs> It's not the what I wanted was somebody to say, you're fine. That's right. all that's really all I wanted. And so this the, this one said, um <laughs> he said, uh, look, I, I don't know if you're an alcoholic. I you know, I told him about the other experiences and he said, I, I don't know if you're an alcoholic or not. Let's just put the label aside. Let's not worry about that. Let's just talk about you. I'm like, all right, I like this guy. And we started talking. And then at one point he said, well, are you, are you spiritual at all? And I said, oh, well, you know, I was, I was 
driving on I-70 recently and the sun was going down in the west and the moon was coming up in the east and I was listening to Beethoven and I felt this. He goes, yeah, if we could just kind of come back to earth for a second here. <laughs> and the oh. second meeting I had with a guy, I walked in and he sat down and I sat down. He said, all right, I'm convinced you're an alcoholic. <laughs> and, and I thought, fuck, what are they not getting? What are none of these people getting? And I, I don't need, you know, I, I, you heard one drunkalog, I think you've heard them all, but to me, the, the key thing, what finally kicked through with the powerlessness was an incident that happened uh, about a month or two after I started seeing this guy. And I had this, I'd been, I, I finally got a job and I was really excited about it. And I was trying to reach this professor of mine who I'd been really close to, had been uh, a mentor to me, great guy. And I hadn't been able to reach him. And then one day his secretary, who I was also close with, called me back and said, hey, you need to know Bob has been very sick. He's, he's been in the hospital. It's not good. And I remembered thinking, wow, that's a bad thing. I should be upset about that. And the day just kind of went on. And that night I went to a meeting and I just felt something building. And I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just like a physical pressure inside me building. And then I was going to, I had a, a, a session with my therapist right afterwards. So I'm driving, it was about a 20 minute drive from where the meeting was to, to his, he, he did this in his basement. And, and I start, punching the I smashed the windshield of my car I punched the roof I punched the steering wheel I was breaking things I mean it was a mess and I got there and I'm all over the place and he started telling me or asking me what's going on what what led up to this I said nothing nothing led up to it I don't understand it I said I was at a meeting it was fine I just just this rage came over me and it would happen to me once in a while and he said, well, let's go back earlier. What else happened in the day? And I mentioned the thing with my professor. And he listened to me and he said, here's what I think happened. You heard something that was bad news about someone you cared about. And the rest of the day, it was you fighting with your emotions about how to deal with it. You were shut off. But this grief that you're feeling, the mm -hmm. fear, the anger, that's fighting its way out. And you don't have the alcohol anymore to to fight it he said and so it finally just broke through and that was the rage and, and you know, it made sense as he said it he said let me ask you if you were still drinking do you think you would have gotten drunk and i said no 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 i wasn't somebody who you know if i got sad i went and drank i, I said it was more like just things would just kind of build up and then i would just kind of explode and i realized i was describing exactly what had happened that day mm. You know, that what I thought of as drinking to deal with emotion or grief was not the reality of, of the way I drank. And that that was exactly the kind of thing when something was eating at me that I couldn't even identify it. I couldn't, I didn't, there was no feeling that I felt. I just knew intellectually I should be upset. And that that was the kind of night where I would have just gone off the deep end and I would have hurt somebody and probably myself. And like that was when the first step kicked in that was when that's the powerlessness oh, that's so um, cool. yeah no it was i mean it was this, this guy was amazing they had a great relationship for for years even after i stopped seeing him you know incredibly lucky but 
Yeah, no, that was what made it real. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm a well-read guy. I could figure out all these things, but it wasn't the same as having that right connection. Right. Oh, that is wow. That's so cool. And that was it. I mean, did you, that was it? Oh, uh, well, was that it? That's a great no, question. No, I meant, did you, I, I did you we, we, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's a lot. I meant, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. I know what you mean. Like, did it, did it stick then? Right. It, it, it did in a way, uh, you know, it was kind of funny. It was sort of like, ah, shit. You know, I've been waiting for the, you know, to see the light. And now that I've seen it, what I've seen is this is going to be a really hard fucking road. Mm. <laughs> you know? So it was like, because yeah. um, I remember that the, this guy wasn't my sponsor yet at the time, but um, but we were actually, I don't, no, we hadn't met yet. All right, I'm mixing things up. It's a long time ago. Um, but I remember like this one principle that this guy who became my, my sponsor had pointed out, which was if you're having trouble with a step, it means you're probably having trouble with the step before it. Oh, and which isn't have you heard that before? I don't think I've ever heard that. No, and it really God did that kick in. And, yeah. and it was amazing how many times I would forget it because I realized that what I was struggling with then was the whole idea of a higher power. What you know, of the second step, like you know, believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I wasn't convinced I could be restored to sanity. And I wasn't convinced that the program was going to work. And I wasn't convinced that God, whoever that was, was going to do anything. And then once that idea crystallized, you know, from that night that, no, this is the powerlessness. This is it. This, this, is, this is the best example of why you can't control things, because you are truly powerless. Once the first step had, it had sunk in like that, now... I could really look at the second step. Okay, now I'm willing to look at something bigger than me, you know. And and if, and and it just, you know, I know in the old days uh, when you know Bob and Bill ran through the steps, they did it all in like an afternoon. Right, they did it in know. a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's a much longer process, but I mean it changed everything. And I remember then just getting like, all right, I just have to give myself to this now. And it wasn't so much the the not drinking; it was the day at a time. It was. I remember it's funny. My 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 two best sports growing up were football and boxing, and I was all about toughness. And you know, I can kick ass, and I can take an ass kicking. And and I remember there was this one night I'd been whining about my ex girlfriend for months, and my therapist finally said, "I'm." He said. Why don't you just call her? I said, what? He said, I'm really sick of hearing about her. Why don't you just call her? <laughs> and, uh, you know, totally called my bluff. And so that night I tried and the call went horribly. And afterward, I was really upset. And you know what I did? I sat down, I folded my fucking laundry, and I worked on my fourth step. And I felt like it was the bravest thing I'd ever done in my life. And it's awesome. You know, I mean, it was, it was, and it wasn't so much, I mean, again, I, 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 I don't, I'm uncomfortable with a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the particular religiosity that you can find in meetings sometimes. And I think sometimes right, people yeah. use it to excuse any rotten thing they've done or anything that happens to them. Agreed. But, 
but I felt a sense of grace that night. Like, I think this is the bravest thing I've ever done. You know, when I'm, when I'm upset to sit and just do what you need to Right. do the fourth step, write those names down, write down yeah. what you, you know, that, that to me was grace. Yeah. I loved doing my fourth step. No, I say I loved it. I, 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 you know, people think, oh, my fourth, the fourth step, my sponsees, oh, the fourth step, you know, they think it's, you know, such a daunting task and it doesn't have to be it. And, you know, I found, I found it so, oh, you know, like I could breathe, you know, and, you know, I didn't have a hundred pages, you know, I had, you know, I had several and I did it, you know, as thoroughly as I thought I could do it. And, um, you know, I've only done it once though. I've only done it once. And I know people do it more than once. Now that's interesting. Cause I, 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 you know, what became a thing for me was, um, I'm not a religious person, but I did, um, I used to uh, observe, uh, Yom Kippur every year and my annual ritual became that I would fast. And sometimes I'd, I'd go to, there was a, a, a temple nearby me in Chicago and, um, uh, you know, and, and I would go there, but then the afternoon I would do a fourth step again. And that became like my atonement every year. And I haven't done that in like 20 years probably, but you know, it was, it was kind of, I mean, I, and again, I was a more spiritual person then, but um, yeah, cause my first fourth step, I hated seeing all that. And I felt like, all right, I'm trusting this process and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm going to keep remembering that all right, the whole point is just walk the steps. You don't get to know what happens. You don't get to know how it turns out. And I do remember when I gave my fifth step, um, I, I was shaking with my sponsor. Aww. And, you know, we got through it. And he said, all right, you get an A+. Plus. <laughs> and all these, all these, yeah, he was great. And, and all these things that, you know, terrified me. To say it out loud to somebody, it wasn't, as bad as it wasn't great. I mean, some people have said it was the most freeing thing in the world. For me, it wasn't. It was it was humbling and not completely in a great way. But he's he afterwards started sharing some of his stuff, you know, to, it really as an effort to say, look, you're not that bad. Listen to this. And I'm like, wow, you sick yeah. fuck. You know, this is really like that's that's really bad. But it did, you know, I, awesome. I just felt yeah, I mean, it was, so I didn't, I didn't feel great, but I felt honest. Right. Right. The first time, probably, in a long time. Oh, God, to that. Even, yeah, and even when I'd thought I'd been, and there's a difference between, you know, I, I know how important it is to be honest with yourself, right? I mean, that that's crucial. That's a, the first step is all honesty, right? And so that was a big deal. Um, but that whole cathartic act of telling somebody else, um, right. it did, I, I felt, I felt like I'd earned something. I think, I guess, I think that's the best way to put it. Like, you know what, you just like, they give you chips for making it to certain days. Sometimes it felt goofy. Sometimes it felt good, but that felt like, all right, this I earned this. Yeah. I actually did. Yeah. I, I totally know what you mean. That's awesome. That is awesome. So your wife and your kids only know a sober husband and a sober dad. Yep. 
Wow. Okay. I don't know if I knew that. Oh, that's now it's it's really interesting because I, I I met my wife when I was pretty early in sobriety, and it was all kind of a strange world to her. I think, and I was still I was going to a lot of meetings and then a lot of coffee shops afterwards. <laughs> I put on a lot of weight, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so yeah, that that is a weird thing. It was funny we um, did this thing for my fiftieth a couple of years ago and um i was there were a bunch of friends i've been i've known like you know my, my sisters and and my mom and college and high school friends who'd known me then and then people have known me since and i hadn't thought about it so starkly until i was there and i was asked to say something and i said you know anybody who's only known me since I got sober, talk to some of the other people if you want some really interesting stories. I said, the ones of you who knew me beforehand, please don't speak to my children. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's sometimes it, it feels like, you know, especially like I said, the Irish side of my family, like you, I was able to kind of break the curse of the wolf man, you yeah. know. Yeah. That, the stuff with my father, the things I've heard. I never met my grandfather, but the stories I've heard are something else. And uh, yeah, was they, your, they've. Was your dad an alcoholic? Yeah, he was. He was. He was very highly functioning. Um, and he, um, my my biggest fear was I, I was not someone who was going to end up, you know, in, in a hospital because um, my liver was 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 about to explode. Yeah. It, it was more like what I'd seen with him, where. It, you just slowly drown over the course of 40 years, you know, yeah. where it just drags you down slowly in these cycles of, you know, yeah. yep. I, I mean, see, I, I see it two ways. One is just, you know, how much it fucks up your life in the moment, but just how you never have a chance to heal or move past until right. you get it out of your life. Right. And that was a tough thing when he died was, um, he, I mean, he, he was, he had probably more talent than just about any human being I've ever known. I mean, he really was a brilliant guy and never, his life wasn't a failure by any stretch. He was very good at some things, um, but he was never what he could have been. Mm. And like, I remember when he died, one of the things that, that, really struck me was besides my grief for him and we had a tortured relationship there were there were you know i i not sure i ever loved anybody more not sure i ever hated anybody more in my life than mm. him and after he died there was the grief of losing him but it also struck me i'm also grieving the person he he will never become now right. that there was always that right. hope right i mean it's fine it, it's it, I'll, I'll give you an example when i first got sober I think I had it in the back of my mind. I had this little, um, you know, I, I envisioned my father being so inspired by me that he would say, oh, my God, my son, you have shown me the way. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm going to change my life now and I'm going to get sober. And when I was around 25, he came to visit me for my 25th birthday, actually. And so I would have been just short of two years sober at that point and he was in the program at the time and had about 90 days and we went to a meeting together <laughs> and which was a little surreal on its own but he's like yeah let's go to a meeting and 
he, uh, you know, he'd been to meetings where he lived and he, and he saw how this meeting started and that, you know, like every other meeting, anybody here for the first time, you know, welcome Jim. If, you know, anybody in their first week, anybody at this right, meeting right, for the right, first right. time, right. the whole thing, anybody from out of town. And so right. when they said anybody from out of town, he stood up. Nobody else had stood up. They all were fine in their seats. He stood up and said, I'm Tom. I'm an alcoholic. And I got a few things today. One, I've got 90 days and everybody applauds. And, and he said, and also, you know, um, my son is turning 25 and he's almost two years sober. And it's the first time in his life he's ever had seniority on me in anything. And, and again, this is just the part of the meeting where you just wow. say, hi, Tom, sit down. And he starts going off saying, um, he's inspired me. I, you know, I've seen what he's done, his bravery and courage in, in this, and, and it's inspired me to do this. It was the whole speech I'd had in my mind. And here he was giving it at this oh, meeting. God. And this thought went through my head. Oh my God, he is completely full of shit. And he can't help it. It's not his fault, and it's definitely not my fault. And it was like one of the greatest epiphanies I had in sobriety that his thing is his thing, and it's not my problem or my business to fix. He's full of shit. He'll get it or he won't, but it'll be his program, not mine. Oh, wow. So it was this hugely freeing thing. You know, it, it utterly changed my relationship with him for the next, you know, however many years till he died. And so after when he died, I, I was at a sense of peace about my relationship with him and, and his drinking. And that was what really got me afterward was the grief that I still had held on to hope maybe someday he'll become that guy I want him to be, mm. you know? And I, and I had to let go of that too, which was tough, but at least I knew what it was I was grieving. Um, I don't know how I got into that, but it was... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, my sobriety had always been so much tied into his, and then in that moment, it was it was like he is wow. he he, <laughs> he just Sounds is good. completely full of shit, and it's okay. That's him. Yeah, and I assume he um, was not sober when he passed away. He was not. Um, it was wild. He he died. Um, he went into the hospital. Um, with, uh, the day after his sister's funeral, um, mm. he was he was living in D.C. and had been uh, for a very long time. And his sister was up here. They're, you know, um, they were very close. They they had the same birthday, two years apart. And she died. And he was up here for the funeral. And he just looked like shit the whole time. And like I noticed it at this, um, we did this. There, my my aunt had five daughters and. Um, this is the Irish side, and they, um, <laughs> obviously. And uh, so after the, the service, um, we had this lunch, and my dad was supposed to give a toast. And I hadn't seen him eat any food for two days, like more than a bite, And but I'd seen him drink plenty. And now he's getting ready to get up there, and he's so shaky. And he was only he was 79, um, but like we joke, that, that's like an – Irish 79 is like a 95 to anybody else. Right. And uh, he um, and he was so unsteady. And my aunts are saying to me, 
should he be doing this? Should he get up? I mean, he, he doesn't look good. And my sisters and I are like, what do we do? Do we let him stand up and give this toast? And he got up and he was like half shaking and unsteady. And I wasn't even sure he knew where he was. And then he recited um, like 20 lines from this 15th century elegy that this bishop had written to his wife flawlessly. And the whole place is in tears. And it was kind of him in a nutshell. It's like, you're a disaster who should barely be standing up. But he had this incredible mind and could still in that moment. Wow. So he sounds like an incredible, incredible guy. Like, you know, a guy that God, you wish you could, you know, be like, but not be like at all kind of thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's exactly it. And he was, you know, he was, he was an amazing guy and he was a great friend and he was a, a ton of fun to hang with and he was a horseshit father. And I just kind of came to accept that, that, you know, what I, what I need is a son I'm not going to get from him. You know, he's a great friend to me. And when something good happens or I see you or read something interesting, he's still the first person that I, I wish I could share it with. Um, you know, but he just, he was he had his limits and you know that was a big deal to me to understand they didn't have to be mine right wow you know it sounds so um so cliche but you know do you feel now as a dad that you know you just you just want to be so different you know oh Not, yeah you know yeah so that's yeah oh yeah no i want them look i want to share the good things that, that he gave um and you know and, and and they knew him and he was he was great with them although it was kind of funny at the end of his life like you know the last few times he visited um he would just kind of you know his knees were bad his back was bad he would just sit at the kitchen table and and drink and you know he was always and the issues you know from when i was a kid and he was you know pretty tough to be around um you know, not, not, not some great years. Th those were long gone. He was just kind of the, the, you know, it, it was my kitchen, but it was like the, the pleasant old guy at the end of the bar who just sits there, right. you know, <laughs> and for my kids, uh -huh. you know, they, he was funny and he was charming and, and they loved him, but he didn't engage with them as much, you know, right. and they learned right. if you came in the kitchen that grandpa was going to ask you to, yeah, Hey, can you go get my glasses off the shelf or can you go Get grabbed this for me, and right. and then they stayed away from Grandpa because they didn't want to be running errands all fucking night. So <laughs> you know, so no, I mean, I I do I, I feel that way sometimes. Like I want to give them the best of what he had, and I don't want them to see any of the worst of it. And but it is funny because like if I have an off day, which I have, um, you know, I'll get moody, I'll get pissed about something. And if they're annoyed with me, I, 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 this is something like I feel is, is common among drunks is that I don't want to be a judge on the person, uh, you know, or by the standard of who I am now. I want everything to be compared to how big a prick I used to be. Mm. And that, you know, like you guys think, you know, I, I flew off the handle or I was bad. You should have seen me back in the day. And I, you know, that's so it's, right. I know. It's like you're saying, you know, because I'm not a, an abusive prick, you should be happy with anything I do. Right, which right, is, right. You know. that's, not, that's such a, that's such a 
alcoholic way of thinking. Yep. Um, so you've been sober a long time. So, you know, uh, do, do your wife and does your wife um, and kids, you know, do they, you know, do they know about the meetings? Do they, you know, do they, you know, are they engaged in your recovery in that way or, you know? Well, I mean, I, I haven't gone to meetings in a very long time. I, I will go once in a while, usually with somebody for some reason. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, you know, I'll just speak my truth. You know, I got to a point where I, I felt like, you know, going to the meetings, I was going backwards and, mm. you know, there, there was a group I had when I first got sober that I loved and they were amazing people. And that's who I've stayed in touch with. And then there were meetings, you know, that I'd been to in Jersey where, you know, I, I I know if you don't, what's the old line? It's like, you know, I only need to go to one meeting a week, but I just, I need to go to 20 of them to figure out which one it is. Right. You know, I was past that point in my life where I felt like I needed that kind of work. And I did a lot more through therapy. Um, you know, that became my program. And um, so AA was not as present it's never been a thing with my kids' lives, but they're aware of how big a deal it was for me early on. And, you know, when I met my wife, you know, when I was dating her, that was my social life. And, right. um, and she fit right in and it was a different world to her. And especially to see a bunch of people, you know, talking about problems and, and sharing things and supporting each other. And um, so my kids are aware of that. They're also aware you know, they've always been aware that I don't drink. Um, they were very aware that my father did. And I just kind of waited with each one of them to ask me about it. And, you know, I had the big book on the shelf and 12 and 12 and a couple other meditation books. And it was funny because my oldest was the last one to ask me about it. Mm. Um, you know, like, and then one day he just sort of said, you know, why do you have that book? And I said, well, something that was very helpful to me. And he said, are you a drunk? And he was doing it, I think, to be a little bit of a wise guy. Right, right. And I just said, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I and I don't I don't get hung up on the label of alcoholic the way I used to. I mean, it was very useful early on. Okay, I need a new way to think about myself and my life. So the, the label alcoholic does a lot to help me identify what that is and come up with a new set of rules. Right. Um, you know, when somebody asks me now, you know, why don't you drink? My answer is usually something like, uh, I was terrible at it, you know? I, right. I, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, mean, I, love I always that. like, I'm going to use that. Yeah, I'm stealing f- that. Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> I, um, no, I feel like I, said, like I, I, I sucked at it. You know, I, yeah, that I was how that. it came up. That, that's the first time I said that, but somebody said, do you drink? I said, no, I don't. Did you used to? I said, I used to. Why'd you stop? And I said, because I sucked at it. And because I used to love the line that that one of my heroes, a legendary writer, Pete Hamill, said when people asked him, why'd you stop drinking? He said, I retired with the title, um, uh, which is great. But I needed to take the romance out of it for myself. You right, know, right, I, right. I sucked at it. I was... You know, you can, yeah, you can call it alcoholism and yeah, it it, sure it fits, but it was 
to me, what was more important was recognizing that I was really bad at it. And, you know, I, it's one of the things about the program that makes me uneasy in some meetings, not all meetings. There are great meetings. I've been to great meetings. There are still great meetings I go to, but one of the elements I fucking hate is when it is just a contest um, of who is the worst, who's oh, got I the know. nastiest story. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I agree. Yeah, I agree. it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. Uh, Look, it's guys, you know, guys it's, got to show how tough they were. They got you know, it's still a different yeah, yeah. contest. I mean, it's, it is, it is, and let's be honest. You know, the rooms, you know, it's it's often a hotbed of you know mental illness. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I struggle. I, you know, I um, this will be maybe another. Um, this is just another discussion, but very quickly, you know, I struggled with that for a while. And if I'm being honest, you know, I still do. I, I still do. You know, I still kind of, you know, view myself as not better, not, you know, not better, but, you know, um, you know, I'm one of the normal ones, you know. Um, do, you, do, you, do you feel like you've got to prove whether it's to yourself or somebody else that you really are fucked up and uh, fucked up enough to have earned your seat? No, I don't. No, I don't. Should I feel like that? Because I, I don't feel like no, that. No, no, no. Because it was people. I, it seemed like people came from two different places. Right. That, no, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, you know, I share my story and I had a lot of horrific, horrific things happen to me in, you know, a four year period of time. And, um, but no, I don't, I don't No, I don't express it like that at all. I don't. Oh, that is good because um, I, 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 I kept seeing that with people, and I, I think I felt that because I was like, I was twenty three. Yeah, you were young. I'd only had, yeah, I was very young, and and most of the other twenty three year olds who were in there because it was because of of you know crack or meth right. or or something, you know, I was I was one of the only ones who was in there just because of my drinking. I love and, seeing. Yeah, there no, aren't I was, that I, many. There aren't that many in the meeting I go to that are you know, in their twenties, but there's, you know, there's a handful. And I think it's, there's I think a handful. It's and I think there's a big change from our generation and in, in how younger people look at this stuff and, and their willingness to, to get help and, um, oh, you know, whether sure. it's through for therapy sure. or 12 step, that's yeah. a, that's a great, you know, change in, in, in yeah. from our generation to this one. Sure. For sure. I also just want to ask you quickly, um, I could talk to you for, for hours and hours and hours, but, um, so your oldest is what? I you think you told him he's 19, 20? No, he's about to turn 22. Oh, oh. Okay, so he's um now does he drink? Uh he does. Um but uh I've I've never seen him drunk. Um yeah. I've never um seen him have like more than a beer or two. Right. Um it's it's funny because I've I'm I'm I mean I'm envious, <laughs> you know. But I know, I know. And, but I also I I I worry I cringe a little bit, you know. And I've been very clear with my kids. Yeah, you know, they they haven't heard my whole story because they don't need to hear it, frankly. Um, right. But um, I know some people feel differently about that. I I mm -hmm. feel like I don't need to dump the shit that I did on them. Uh, it's asking them to to carry it. For a bit, but I feel like, Understandable. yeah, but I've, I've told them how big a problem it was for me and for our family and that the, and they saw my dad and, 
and they've seen cousins and, and people who've had issues. And um, so I think they get that. And, you know, bigger things, they grew up in a household where it just wasn't part of the environment. You know, I mean, right. my, my wife drinks, um, people around them drink, but they don't see what I saw, which is somebody getting drunk every night. Right. Um, you know, and but also the, the, the one of the biggest things to me is the difference in, you know, it was important to me that my kids grow up in a household where you're open about the problems that you've got and that if something's on your mind, you share it and you, yes. you find a way to deal with it. Yes. So, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll see my, my son will have a, a beer or two and he's, and he seems fine. I mean, it was funny. I think I was saying this to you before one time that the first time um, he was so, he was such a quiet kid. And the first time he came home, from hanging with friends and I knew they'd been safe. They were in somebody's basement. Yeah, just, Nobody was driving. Yeah. Right. And he was, and his eyes were a little bloodshot and he's talking a little quickly. And I thought, like, Oh, yes. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Trust me. I, I know. I, I have one. I know. Oh, I just hit my mic. I know exactly, exactly, exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I've got to wrap this up. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you, and I hope we could do it again soon. You keep doing what you're doing, um, and I'm so happy that your life is what it is, and I'm happy for your success and your family and your kids, and just keep going. Yeah, no, you too. This is it's it's fun for me to do it, and it's and you know. I, I, it gives you, I don't know, when, when you when you have a conversation like this, it just reminds you of how far you came. And that I, I think sometimes you can take that for granted. So I'm grateful for the chance to, yeah. to have the perspective. Okay. I could talk to him forever, but hopefully he'll jump on the podcast again another time so we could talk more. Hang in, everyone. I know it's a crazy time. You might be feeling uncomfortable in your skin, wondering if it's all worth it. But I promise you, I promise you it is. And as always, I am really cheering for you.